0: Hey everyone, Eric Watson here, freelance writer, player of games, writer, recordings, recorder, videos, and a tabletop role-playing aficionado. Welcome to the Thursday edition of my bi-weekly behind-the-scenes DM-only live stream, Crafting the Deep, in which I build, right and prepare for our next session of Call from the Deep. If you're playing characters like Gothwalda, Max, Sabra, or Tor, all this video is not meant for you, and will be full of spoilers, but of course the rest of you are more than welcome. We stream our DD sessions live on YouTube every Friday. You can join our official Discord server with invite link in the description below. If you'd like to support the channel, please check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. For our campaign, we use roll20.net, and for streaming, I use OBS Studio. I also have turned off uh, the HDR on my monitor, at least for now. It was just causing me too much of a headache to try and make it all work, I guess. And and frankly, HDR content looks particularly bad on non-HDR monitors, I'm realizing. I guess SDR is the term. Uh, And I have one HDR monitor and then two SDR monitors and I was always using my, you know, streaming software in the other monitor and every time I was looking at it I was like how oh, the, it just looks like it's all like, I don't know, faded and there's no, it, it looks worse. Like, why would I do something that looks good to maybe some folks who have HDR content, but I imagine a lot of folks don't have it. Uh, and plus, it's not like I'm, you know, doing high graphical intensive games or something. This is just browser windows and shit, so. I think I'm going to, for the most part, turn it off, maybe for the Baldur's Gate, um, live, or not live plays, but, uh, Let's Plays, uh, I'll I'll maybe turn that back on, because I'd like to have it on while I I play games, that would be nice, and I think I figured out how to make sure it records okay, uh, but I think for the purposes of doing our D&D stuff, I don't think it's, it's worth doing, if any of you care, then I'm willing to listen, but, um, I don't think we're going to have to use the HDR much here. Um, and it's not like I'm missing out on much. It's literally just like browser windows and stuff for now. Uh, and hopefully the internet is working. I lost Wi-Fi earlier, but that has come back. And we're not dropping any frames or anything right now. So that's good news. I don't have to fuck around with that like we did on Monday stream. So let's have a error-free, visually fine crafting stream. We can all do this together. Uh, so we're still talking about the Sinister Secret of Salt Marsh. The Sinister Secret is about to be revealed at the start of Session 2, uh, as the players open their way up to room 21, which is the cellar through two different methods, actually. They found both entrances there. And then Ned will get off a super surprise round, say something pithy, jump down, try to backstab and murder the fuck out of our friend Twirl, uh, and then try to run away. I didn't think... Gotwald wasn't up this far. I don't think I moved him. Did I? Um, Maybe I did. I don't know. Uh, But yeah, he'll try to jump down, do his super sneak attack backstab, and then run away. I did have folks in the uh, either Discord or YouTube comment mention the fact that during a surprise round, players do not have their reaction, which I always forget. And I think all of us always forget that rule. The fact that you don't have, like you can't throw up a shield spell or get an attack for opportunity or whatever else. Um, that's something I need to like write in a sticky note to remind myself. So technically he doesn't have to disengage. He can just do his attack and then bonus action dash, which is still going to be, I think, the best method for him, which hopefully that'll just, if it doesn't down twirl and it may not, depends on how his, you know, damage rolls are. Um, then at least that puts the fear in them that there's like somebody up there running around that can stab and do that. And I may just keep him in my back pocket and have him keep, you know, harassing the players possibly, um, during the same combat, or if not, then maybe when by the time they get to the cellars, he can be harassing them, or he could just fuck off, and then he's like kind of a reoccurring villain after that. At the very least, I'd like him to appear once more during this scene, because I think, I think I am going to have him allied with these smugglers. I think that's the easiest way for me to to work out his story. He was just... He's part of the crew, but he was kind of off-duty, um, and Gellen is very aware that he's part of the crew. Gelen is in on it. He's basically... Um, you know, the face of the smuggling operation. He's got, you know, all of the crime and stuff. He's just kind of the the kingpin <laughs> of uh, Saltmarsh. And yet, of course, if the players even try to catch wind of the fact that he's in charge of it, he will disavow everything, deny, 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 like any good corrupt politician. Uh, and they will not be able to um, probably catch him or enforce him, which, which may be a little bit unsatisfying for the players, but that's also kind of the way life works. <laughs> uh, the most worst people... Uh, very rarely get their comeuppance, but we will see, we will see. Um, I would like one of the bandits to escape to the secret door, at least try to make his way over there so that the players know it's there, because otherwise there's not a good indication that uh, where they go from here. The main thing I've been working on this week, however, is uh, tying together Call from the Deep with the events that... Uh, with the information they get from area 22, which is Sambhalay's quarters. So as written, um, oops, all oh, my windows are super small. When I uh, disabled HDR, my monitor had to blink, so it resized like all my windows and stuff. That was fun. Uh, room 22 is Sambalay's quarters. Uh, let's see. She's got the lantern, which uses a signal to see ghosts. Some books, which I do like, the fact that it teases like there's a naval almanac. Uh, I'll delete this part. A treat, a treat is concerning the demigod laws and its minions. We're not going to include that. Uh, Instead, we could just have one of the books be like simple goblin phrases or working with goblins or something funny. Working with goblinoids, which would maybe tease the players that they've got like some goblins here or something. When it's in fact it's uh, hobgoblins, but yeah. Uh, There's an oilskin coat in there, and then. I'm not going to put his spellbook. I just don't like the idea that, and I know some folks have said, well, he might just store his spellbook somewhere. It's like, yeah, that's fine, but I don't know, man. Every P, every player character wizard is going to have the spellbook on them. They're not going to store it, even if they're like home or something. I don't know. So I'm going to have his spellbook be on him, and that's part of the, that'll be part of the big treasure loot they can get from Sambley himself will be the, his spellbook. Uh, and there's a small wooden box under the table. Uh, which holds 12 candles, flint and steel, and a piece of parchment that details Sambalay's method of communicating with the ship. Unfortunately, um, that is not actually like a handout or anything. In fact, it says, see the signaling system, which I believe is, yeah, under the Seagull section. Uh, the characters cover the Bulls Island with the parchment area 22. The haunted house, they have a big clue to how the smugglers communicate. You might require the characters make a successful DC-12 investigation check to determine how the system works, although certain facts are not written on the parchment. Alternatively, you can allow the characters to experiment with sending signals when the ship comes back. Signaling system, utilizes the bullseye lantern to communicate the following messages, which is a um, Morse code. I don't actually know if this is real Morse code or not. I just know Morse code works in terms of, um, uh, it's essentially binary language. It's either, there's only two options, short and long, but it's it's the combinations of short and long that uh, make different phrases, things you can communicate via light. (laughs) You only have two states of light, either yes light or no light. Uh, is it safe? Everything's safe, ready to unload, come to the ship. Now, I do think this might just be good information just to straight up give the players. I, You know, I thought about I could turn this into a whole puzzle thing um, in terms of like, oh, there's multiple phrases here and, and things. But I don't necessarily want this to be too convoluted. I think it's better just kind of spell things out. And more importantly, this phrase is important because the players may think, okay, we can, and I mentioned this, I think, a week ago in waiting for the next ship, we can just hang out here in the caverns and then ambush whoever comes in. Um, however, that's not how the smuggling operation works. How it works is that these the smugglers themselves take the small little jetty boat out to the ship, which just waits out there and anchor you know, safely, um, and then they exchange the goods or whatever there. So this clue, ready to unload, come to the ship, should hopefully give players that information that like, oh, okay, this is... This is how this system works. Like, we have to go out to meet them. The arrangement calls for someone aboard the ship to flash the first signal. The shore party replies by flashing the second signal after which the third signal flashes from the ship. It drops anchor and waits for the arrival of a boat from shore. A small group of smugglers board to the ship in a rowboat. When it arrives, the ship sends a boat in the other direction. Uh, which, I, is that not the same boat? These two vessels alternate and transferring. Co- okay, I guess they do send their own after the first one approaches transforming. I may just be at the one boat with one of them raining on the shore cave at the end of the operation. It has been arranged that this does not appear on the parchment for the first signal to be repeated every 10 minutes for an hour. If the ship gets no response, it is assumed that there is some delay and the seago sails away. That could be interesting information. Why does it not appear on the parchment, though? The players would have no idea to do this, then. It does not appear on the parchment for the first signal to be repeated every 10 minutes for an hour. I mean, I don't want the ship to sail away. I think I need to give that information too, which could make things interesting for the players because they're like, well, shit. We don't have enough players to do that. Like, we need to get an NPC or something <laughs> or or maybe keep somebody alive uh, in order to give the proper, like, all clear signal. Smugglers will drop anchor if the character sent any kind of return signal to the ship, not necessarily the correct one. Crew of the Sea ghost is accustomed to seeing an improper signal from time to time because the gang in the shore often operates the lantern clumsily. In case something has gone awry, however, the ship's crew will be on alert when the characters make their approach. So it's all good information, uh, which I think I'm just going to convey that to the players. I think I'm going to be pretty straightforward and have that information uh, in Sambalay's quarters. You know, it, it's it makes sense they would keep track of all that. Um, what, what they won't necessarily know is where, um, where that's done. They didn't necessarily explore all of the second floor. If they go back up there and find out, they will see, you know, they'll be able to see the tracks and like the scuffing on the windowsill or whatever. It doesn't really matter where the light comes from though, as long as they just determine that like, they can't do it from the cave or anything. They need to be up in the house proper, like in a window overlooking everything, um, And if they don't do that, then that would obviously send things a little bit more on high alert. So I think I'm going to give them all of this information um, as part of that parchment. What I also need to do, and this is just from the book, now I need to start incorporating uh, elements from Call from the Deep, which is uh, working towards the, the, the big moment I have that's going to separate... Act 1 to Act 2, I guess, I guess it's the beginning of Act 2, is the attack on Neverwinter, this multi-pronged assault that everybody's gearing up for, and it's kind of the Elder Brain slash Kraken's first real, like, attack on the mainland. So, they've been gathering, you know, weapons and things for at least a little bit of time. So, something I would like to convey... uh, in the parchment they require is the fact that Sambale would be keeping track of like the smuggling goods, essentially. It's kind of a smoking gun, I guess, for authorities, but, uh, that way he writes down kind of just a simple shit manifest thing. Um, the ship, the captain, and, uh, kind of like what goods ultimately got smuggled. And then what I'd like to do is convey the fact that lately there have been, uh, different, uh, more shady captains and ships appearing that instead of smuggling in, you know, contraband, that these guys are basically paying for and then turning around and selling for a bigger profit. I guess I'm not quite sure how that system works, honestly. It doesn't, I don't think it quite explains it terribly well here. It just says that they've got some, um, goods here, or maybe they're just selling stolen goods that are stolen from other ships or something. I don't know. Um, but. I would assume these smuggler guys are actually buying it from the ship, and then they're turning around and selling it for, um, I guess, a bigger profit. But then with these later ones, who are part of the actual Black Armada, they would be giving them just money and asking them to smuggle in weapons, like weaponry. Um. So maybe... And which means... The way I've got it written right now, and I couldn't actually find this information in the Roll20, by the way. I'm not sure if this didn't make it. I remember looking for this last time, and I don't think it's in the Roll20 version of Call from the Deep, but it is in my PDF version. Um, But there's a mention of, like, I think when it says random encounters, um, there's a part where you can have... Or no, maybe I saw it through NPCs, but either way. uh, In Appendix D, where it says ships and crew there's supposed to be a whole section at the end of this where it gives you a bunch of example uh, pirates and pirate ships or just other ships you could run into. So that's not in here. I searched everywhere in this uh, supplemental material section and I could not find that section, even though it is in the uh, PDF I have. In fact, I can switch you over uh, for a second if you want to see my uh, what I'm looking at. Let's see if this works. Oh my! Hang on. It doesn't like my webcam. Give me a second. One second. Okay. I didn't like going from one webcam to another. <laughs> um, so this is the actual PDF of a uh, call from the deep. This is not a Dungeon Master's Guild review. But just work with me for a second. Uh, And then it's on page, uh, let's see, where are we? Appendix D is 243. So you can see this is the same information in the Roll20 where it's got running a ship, ship statistics, random ships and crew. And then it's got this, example ships and crew, which I could not find in the Roll20 version at all. So, this is in my... Obviously, this is this exists in the PDF, but I could not find this in Roll20. It's possible just didn't quite make it in there. I mean, it's a lot of stuff in here. Or maybe I'm just not finding it in the right section. Um, but this is what I was looking for, and uh, this has some good information. Just Basically, I just needed some example ships and captains that weren't necessarily the big important ones because I didn't want to tease those too early, although I did tease one of them, which I don't think I'm going to end up using on the Attack of Neverwinter, but I'm not sure, which is the... Uh, Drowned Wolfgar, who attacks the one who attacks uh, Baldur's Gate, I believe. I was going to use him because he was the least monstrous of the rest. Because a lot of them are like sawagans or like a Slod or um, uh, what was the other? Uh, a freaking Naga. Like, I can't, like, those aren't going to be working with the smugglers. They're way too monstrous. The smugglers going to be like, no, fuck off. This is like crazy. So I had to use more, um, somewhat more mundane crews, like, you know, that are still brightening, but not, like, monstrously so. Uh, so I, this is where I gathered a lot of that, uh, my crew. And I'm going to create, I, if I have time, I'll create a, a little parchment thing that I can hand out to the players. Um, but I'm using, like, the Rusty Harpoon, uh, which uh, sounds like a sex position, <laughs> uh, by Captain Scarson. Um, that'll be just a normal one where they're smuggling goods. The Water's Crown with Captain Bokran will be a normal one. Siren's Trove with Captain Goldblood will be a normal one. These are all, I gathered all of these from, uh, this call from the deep section. And then I'm going to use, um, the Breaking Dusk with Captain Stormgale, which is this one up here. And it even specifically says, uh, flies the flag of the Black Armada. So I can have, you know, a little bit of tease there and maybe, um, and this will literally be like, uh... I don't know my webcam is so freaking blasted out too. When I switched webcams, it was so bright. Um, I'll I'll have uh, Sanbelay basically writing in the margins of like, hey, like this guy's really, you know, and just giving notes. Like it mentioned something about Black Armada and, you know, making little uh, like notations in the margins that should be able to uh, help the players somewhat figuring out. Uh, it's just kind of initial tease of like what's going on here, I guess. webcam's like no you need to be this bright (laughs) um and then i was gonna have the sunken doom which is wolfgar which is from um that one is from i'm I'm gonna go back to the uh the roll 20 game give me one second uh crafting you wouldn't believe the amount of scenes i have (laughs) uh in OBS these days. It's crazy. Alright, we're back. Um, and then Wolfgar is in chapter 2. It's this one. This nice individual is like an octopus tongue, tongue. Octopus tentacle for a tongue. <laughs> Drowned a Wolfgar, who's a kraken priest. So, creepy, but at least somewhat humanoid. Um, as a bunch of like Deep Scions and stuff, but the it just, again, kind of a tease for maybe what's coming. And basically these ships will be coming in and they will be teasing the big attack that's going to happen. Um, they'll be pulling the... Uh, they'll be just paying these smugglers to smuggle in weapons, which is a little bit not what these guys are used to, and they may be feeling that like... Um, you know, Sambale may even be thinking like, this is kind of beyond the pale, this is not really what we signed up for, and, you know, give a little bit of his point of view... Basically to confirm the fact that yes, these guys are smugglers and up to no good, but they're also not um, they are not part of whatever is coming, essentially. They're, they're kind of an unwitting, not an unwitting, but um, naive, I guess, about what's going on. The fact that they're smuggling all these weapons out. And that will also, in that same parchment, this very important document, um, will have written in the margins like, hey, those last two ships have come within a week of each other. Um, we expect the next ship to come any night, and that final entry will look very recent, Um, which should hopefully clue the players into the fact that they're going to be ready for another ship arrival. Or maybe I can even be more specific than that and be like, we should expect the next one tomorrow night. I don't know. Or maybe maybe think the players have the foresight to actually get Sambale alive. Or, or any of the crew members alive, and that might give some information as well. Um, you, the big worry I have as a DM always is that you end up with this situation where the players have exhausted all the different avenues of me trying to tell them information. <laughs> uh, but hopefully they'll pick up on maybe trying to keep somebody alive, or if not, I can at least have like 90% of the information from Sambalay's quarters. quarters. Uh, now if they miss this room and they don't go in here at all, I should be closing these windows up so you can see. That's going to be a little trickier also, because I'm putting a lot of information there. Also, I realized it mentioned the fact that there's a footlocker at the end of the bed. A comfortable-looking bed in the northwest corner has a wooden footlocker at its foot. I read through the room description like eight times, and nowhere does it tell you what's in that footlocker. There's a stack of books, and it goes through the books. There's a table with a hidden compartment where the spellbook is, which I'm not going to put there. There's a wardrobe, which has this five gold worth oilskin coat hanging in there with empty pockets and trimmed in iridescent green silk and then there's a box under the table which contains the important parchment that i'm talking about and then candles and flint and steel there's nothing about this foot logger i was like that's the first thing the player's going to look for it's like an obvious treasure chest so now i got to figure out what the hell's in the stupid foot logger um I don't know. Maybe it'll just be the same amount of coin as the other ones, which I think I was going to use that table from the Dungeon Masters guidebook. Uh, not the magic item table, but the. Actually, I thought it was a. In... No, there's a Horde Challenge table. It's an individual challenge or individual treasure tables from the DMG has uh, tables for just rolling a bunch of coins, basically. So maybe I'll do that plus some. Or, or just have them be some coin. I don't know. Whatever he would put in his footlogger. It seems like there should be something there. Um. It's not trapped, the door is not closed or trapped, nothing, it's just kind of an open place. I guess everybody's got the, although the Foot Lockers in Area 21 are all locked, aren't they? So why wouldn't his be? It just feels like a weird oversight that like his Foot Locker has nothing, no information in there. Yeah, the, the 10 wooden Foot Lockers are all locked and then they contain personal effects. Each coin has a, each has a coin purse that holds seven gold and 15 silver. I'm gonna leave that up to the individual treasure table to make it a little bit more fun and interesting. So I, I don't know. There's no information about what to put in that footlocker. Um, Sambale has got some treasure on him. I was gonna have him have a coin persona, but I guess he could just have more treasure in his footlocker. Maybe his footlocker could be trapped—the old classic poison needle trap—or uh, you know, he puts magic mouths everywhere. Maybe, maybe it'd be kind of fun to put a magic mouth. Although <laughs> he does that to keep keep the riffraff out. Like obviously, all the smugglers would know his magic mouth trick um but it might be fun for a comedic effect to have a magic mouth appear on the door or something and be like stay away you bastards <laughs> i don't know um it i feel like that at least the door should be locked or i don't know there should be something here even though i do want the players to get in here and get that information um i feel like the boss would have his own chambers pretty well locked but they can also get the key off his body own toad they do a lot of investigation perception checks uh they did last session i was actually pretty impressed um, at least uh, Savra did. Heather's character was doing a crap ton of investigation all around the house, but she is the intelligent wizard, so she had the good role for that. Um, but yeah, so far they've done a pretty good job of that. And maybe I don't know. Maybe they have the foresight to just go ahead and do an investigation check in this room, in which case I can point them towards this southwest door. A bottle of rum, that has some special. I mean, you could just put a potion in there. Potions are always good, kind of low tier loot. Um, scrolls would be good low-tier loot. Um, he doesn't, he's got his spellbook on him. He has a Pipe of Remembrance, which is like a fun little common magic item. Uh, and then, I think that's about it. I have to go back to room 27 to see. I think I also need to replace the art in room 27 when I think about it. Because if they're specifically smuggling in weapons lately, then that's probably what the majority of this stuff needs to be, and I need to actually include, like, just mundane weapon loot instead of all these casks and things, um, especially if I'm saying that their last couple of shipments have been um, these ships that are wanting weapons in return for uh, just paying these guys. Maybe we'll search for crates, see if we can find something. I mean that should be great. I did replace the two hobgoblins, by the way. The one that's got more hit points is the one by Sambale, who's going to have the uh, mariner's armor. Which I will keep. There we go. It's just a good, good crate-ass looking crates. Uh, although this crate is awkwardly a little too fat for one square and a little too stretched for two squares. That's annoying. can work with that. What should a crate be about person-sized? That's not too bad. He plans for a bag of tricks this time. I mean, I think there is one in Call from the Deep, but... God, Ray used the crap out of a bag of tricks. That's why he went Ranger. Literally went Ranger because he loved uh, having the bag of tricks. I can just do enough of these crates to cover up these barrels i apologize bear your art is amazing but i am changing a little bit about how the smugglers are working here just to better fit it into uh the call from the deep storyline there we go oops as long as i don't click them i need to put them on the map layer though so i don't do what i just did which is accidentally touch them there we go map layer map layer uh, and then these are for bolts of silk. Maybe I could replace those too. Mm. The silk is supposed to be pretty good loot, um, so I'm actually kind of denying the players a little bit if I start replacing this stuff. Five bolts of silk are worth fifty gold each, and the eight casks of brandy are worth ten gold apiece at market. Though the merchants of Saltmarsh recognize the goods as stolen if the guards try to sell them there. That reminds me of like a uh, Skyrim or something where goods were marked as like stolen. Oh yeah, ensemble also has a masterfully crafted loaded gaming dice worth 20 gold. <laughs> uh I don't know if I want to do bolts of silk. I guess I could. I mean if I wanted if I wanted to keep that, I could just make one of the earlier ones have the bolts of silk. I was originally gonna have iron ingots because that's what it was listed in Call from the Deep, but it, since the map has and and since the Secret of Assault Marsh has Bolts of Silk. I could just replace maybe the most recent one before they started doing the weapons as the Silk. Maybe they just haven't had a chance to um, sell them yet or upload them. No, please do not offer to do extra art addendums. That's <laughs> beyond the pale. <laughs> thank you. I mean, thank you for offering, but no, I can I can throw some uh, assets on there without any problem. Bolts and casket. the same value conditions found in those. Area 27. Yeah, so we're gonna... I think as long as we replace the cat. Although I did I did mention one of them had like... What is it? Moonshay? Yeah, wine from the Moonshay Isles. Maybe I'll replace that one then. I'll say bolts... Yeah, so I'll say... Silk and wine from Moonshay Isles, in which case we can keep... um, We can keep some of that. So we can keep some of the casks. I just wanted to basically convey the fact that they've got a bunch of weapons and crates so that they're ready to move that. And that way the players have an excuse for when they're, you know, arriving with their ship, they can have, you know, these crates. God, these are big ass crates. How many would you have to be able to go? You'd have to do a couple freaking trips. But maybe that'd be more interesting. The party thinks they can split up and they'll because there's a ship that's going to go and a ship that's going to come back. So maybe we will use these caverns again. I don't know. Um I think I'll keep I think I'll keep the art as is in room 29 um for now and include the fact that the The silk and the wine was their last smuggled-in shipment. And now they've been, like, reverse-smuggling me trying to connect the stories together uh, by supplying weapons out to sea with, like, no questions asked. They've just been paid good money for it. They do get rewarded 200 gold for uncovering and shutting down the smuggling operation. That seems like a lot of money. For level 2, I, you know, as light as this adventure has been in terms of magic equipment and equipment in general, like, they actually give you a lot of monetary value towards the end, especially with all the stolen goods you're going to cover. And then 200 gold, I feel like I would only give that much to the players, is if they specifically did not take any of the smuggled contraband and say, we need to turn this over to the authorities. then if you do that, I would probably reward them with that much gold. Um, but if they decide to skim a little off the top, then maybe they would get less gold. That's only if they turn it into Captain... You know what? That'd actually be a fun reward because Prime Water might be the one to reward them because he wants to save face. But he would obviously... And, and if they turn the goods over to him, <laughs> then he would reward the players because then he's still got the goods It's because he's it's his fucking operation. But if they go and give it to... uh. Captain Fireborn, then they might not get, that'd be the more right thing to do, but they might not get as much money. Because <laughs> Prime Water would be like, no, my shit. We talked about the timing when it comes to getting to the caverns and triggering a fight. Um, a lot of it is going to depend on what the players do and, and how they do it, which is true of every session, I suppose. But uh, what the lighting situation is, I'll you know maybe have them Somebody call out to them originally and give them a chance to react before immediately starting combat. I think that would probably be helpful. Um, you know, I may do is put the bandit down here and put the hobgoblin up here by Sam Ballet And then in case they want to get some instant shots off, they'll hit the weaker guys first. They will be able to short rests. Certainly, and they'll probably want to do that here. And remember, our short rests are only like five minutes, so it's no big deal to just recharge the batteries after that. Does Heather have the shield spell? Because you're using it if you use a magic missile from the boss. um, I don't know, but... Uh, you know, players... And DMs rarely get a chance to use that benefit of the shield spell, so I would not feel bad about doing that. Plus, it's not like Sambele knows, you know, that wizard, that A, they're a wizard, and B, they have the shield spell. Uh, She does indeed. Yeah, I feel like that's a must. Like, there's too many spells that are just absolute have-to-takes, because they're so useful in so many circumstances. Um... Yeah, she does have the shield spell. And Zambele has a uh, second level spell slot, so he's stronger than these characters are. This could be a tough fight, honestly, right here. Just, I mean, the scout's got 27 hit points. Uh, and then, like I said, we've got Ned rolling around. But Ned w- is my big balancing factor, too. Like, Ned's involvement in this fight will be very much a wild card. Like, just... A lot of it depends on how well the players do, how well the enemies do, if the players split up and go after Ned, like, because they don't know, I guess they will know how much damage he can do when he does his whole big flurry of attacks, but Ned is actually one of the strongest quote-unquote creatures in this entire dungeon area. I think, like, Sanblay maybe is more powerful, but as a wizard, you know, he can also be squishier um, with his AC of 11, although I did give San 42 fucking hit points. Sambley would. The big thing is, a lot of these guys guys might surrender, uh, which you know, as a DM, is also a tricky timing wise. But uh, you know, these are not these are not Kraken priests or cultists or whatever. They're they're just smugglers, and they are they've never been attacked. You know, they, they might think they can defend themselves here, but especially if more than half of them go down, like one's left, like that one would definitely surrender. Samblay would certainly surrender, just anything for his life, and that would probably help him be able to give the more information and context to the player. So I'll have to remember as a DM that surrender is definitely on the table uh, for pretty much all of these characters. Like maybe the Hobgoblins, I don't know how much they would surrender, thinking they would get, you know, a fair trial anytime soon. Um, But the rest of them surely... Obviously the skeletons and the Skeletal Alchemist would fight to the death and would be a deceptively challenging fight. I do have to remember not to actually trigger the skeleton fight until players start walking into the room. I think that'd be more interesting versus if somebody just opens the door and then you trigger the things and they can just close the door and be like, nope, and rebar it, you know, and that's more anticlimactic versus somebody opening the door. So maybe I can describe the room in spooky terms and they can hopefully step in. Maybe I can describe, you know, a pile of something that looks interesting to get them to go in the, the dark room <laughs> that's barred. Um, I don't know what the description of the room actually is. Says on this one, 23. Light spilling in from the large room behind you. Barely shows the chamber is only about 12 feet across. 12 feet across? That's not true. I'll have to change that. It's clearly like 15 by 30. 5, 10, 15, 20, 20, 30. And the corners are filled with shadows. What little you can see is dingy and dirty. So there's, yeah, they open it up and just see a dark room with nothing in it. Six old skeletons are in the shadows here. They rise and attack as soon as the characters enter the room. I can at least maybe tease the fact that there's some bones scattered about. There's a weird bit where it says uh, The skeletons are reinforced by compounds by their bones. Years ago, the first time they take damage from a melee attack, the damage is reduced by half. If the skeletons are vulnerable to that damage, they instead ignore that vulnerability for this attack. That just feels like it's too much work for me to keep up with that. Try to give them, like, Resistance on their first time that each one has been attacked, and that's supposed to be playing into the fact that it's skeletal alchemist. He's been like transmuting some stuff, but I, uh, I think that's just too much, too much context to put in there. <laughs> we don't need to worry about all that. Be interesting if they can capture and then turn around and use them as an asset against the invasion later, for sure. I think that would be really fun, actually. Like prop them up and be like, all right, you need to do everything that you would normally do, and we'll be part of your crew. I think that has a lot of potential to be really fun as well um so hopefully hopefully they'll think to leave somebody alive but if they don't then i will step in and certainly offer surrender um sam Blay would be the best one because he's got you know he's a named npc but we could also turn like any you know of the randos into a character as well be the next blista yeah. yes ma'am oh, what My tongue. what's wrong with your tongue <laughs> it's it's like in the you you didn't eat a crayon, did you? <laughs> Please don't eat crayons. Why don't you go get some water? Okay. okay. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> I love to give all foes magic missiles, rewards players with shield, and makes them always a threat as enemies. I mean, magic missiles, like... It's a great spell, because there's no attack roll, so no matter what the AC or saves of your players are, they're going to take some damage. So it's, yeah, and it scales relatively well. I mean, it doesn't do a whole lot of damage, but you can spread it out as much as you want. Yeah, it's it's a great spell for uh, for DMs to use, especially. Smugglers will be useful to get supplies into Siege Cities. And a group that took over the smuggling den struck a deal with the local Thieves' Guild to rebuild the house. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be cool. I was wondering to see if they would want to do something with like finding a location or a headquarters or something, but we didn't end up going down uh, that particular angle. Frankly, I don't I don't see us ever really going back or using um Saltmarsh or this location in my particular campaign. I think we're gonna be you know if I was using Sinister Secret of Salt Marsh and you were using this more as a hub, then yeah, that'd be a, a totally different context here. Um, but instead, this is just gonna be the starting point that's Basically, the important stuff is um, the fact that they're building, you know, they're smuggling weapons out to sea for some reason. And then once they get to the Seaghost, they'll get more information that there's something going on out in the ocean, specifically pointing them to Gunderland. I still need to figure out what exactly that piece of information is um, about where the, uh, you know, goods are going or where the ship has basically come from. And, and that'll be, you know, part of the big T's, but like there's something big coming. I would love for them to be able to take over the Sea Ghost. So that'll actually be the most the more important thing in, in this campaign by the way. Instead of taking over the house, they'll be taking over the ship, the Sea Ghost. And that's really what I've planned for. If they end up like sinking or destroying the ship, um then we're been we're in trouble. <laughs> because my whole plan is to give them that ship. They can take it over. They've earned it because they'll have like, you know, invaded it stealthily hopefully and fought their way and and earned that ship as the end of this you know, opening mission and then using that ship, they can cross the sea of swords and get to Gunderland and figure out the whole start of the plot, the real plot, basically. Although also I think while they're on route to Gunderland, I will trigger the salvage operation mission because that will give further context to something is going on and will just be kind of a fun, uh very lengthy scripted encounter. That's a, cool, like, half-sunken ship. Um, they will be, I think, only third level if I'm looking at my notes for Salvage Operation, so I may have to ease it up a little bit um, because they will make level three after they do this Sea Ghost, so they'll still be level two after they finish um, this little cellar and cavern, and we'll, we'll see how much we get through this session, I am I have no idea where we're going to end things on this session. I have no clue. It's really going to depend on what fights they trigger, uh, how much surrendering they get. I mean, they, they could skip the whole skeleton room. That would free up a lot of time. Or they could get in there and that would be a big fight. Um, I expect we'll get through possibly a good chunk of it at least. Um, and then if we need to finish up this the, the caverns, in session three and then plus do a lot of the in-between stuff to getting the sea ghost. Like we return, you know, to salt marsh. We give them the information we set up, we figured our plans for the sea ghost. We even like start off the beginning of the sea ghost where it's like, we, you know, get things going and then we kind of find a good thrilling stopping point there. And then on session, uh, four would be the actual like seaghost portion of it. So I, that would be probably a good way of, cutting down everything, and then I don't know how long the Sea Ghost itself uh, would take. That would also be, like, you know, a couple big fights. I could, uh, If we get as far to, like, we're about to trigger the fight on the Sea Ghost, then I could see the rest of the Sea Ghost being basically one session. Um, But if we haven't even gotten that far yet, then, you know, and we're still... uh, If if we clean up all the caverns here, and then next session, for example, we have to do the in-between stuff, and then do, like, some of the Sea Ghost stuff, and then we have to do the rest of it... Um, the next time, the one thing I will have to do though, which is going to be tricky is I definitely want a session to end after the players have commandeered the sea ghost and realized they need to basically go across the ocean. Um, they'll get to long rest and level up and stuff, but I want to do that between sessions. So that would be the main, uh, stopping point there. It, it's, it's tricky as you know, running D D this is, I sc- obviously script as much as I can, but a lot of it is up to the players and the, the choices they make and uh, where I can determine where we can end the session. So at the very least, I would like to have a session end after completing the Sea Seaghost. Um, and then we can get our long rest, level up, and then definitely have a full session break before uh, we go into a salvage operation. And there are some encounters from a call from the deep... I believe it's in the beginning of chapter one. I'm getting ahead of things a little bit. I feel like I've kind of covered a lot of the Sinister Secret though. If you all have any more questions or concerns, definitely let me know. Um But I I am you know, I've talked about the skeletons, the alchemist. I'm gonna replace that cursed luck Stone a little bit with a, just a luck stone that's cursed, I guess. <laughs> Not the stats that are used in here, but like literally just use a luck stone, but maybe so it's just um attuned to you and you can't de-attune to it um until you uh you know get the remove curse thing. I'll include all that extra bits in room 22. I'll try to come up with something for the footlocker specifically. Um, and in the caverns, you know, mostly as is, except I'm replacing the some of the casks of wine with crates of weapons just to confirm the, the story here that we're smuggling in weapons to these other um, ships that have been coming through. Uh, I don't see any other big changes or concerns here in terms of having to modify too much. Um, and then once they get to the sea seaghost, which I think I've got that set up now. Let's see if I figured it out. I think I've done all the dynamic lighting here since we did last time with all the doors and things. I did reference the original uh, written document. Um, it's, it's a, just a little bit hard to tell because of the way the stairs are kind of interjected right next to all the doors and stuff. It was kind of tricky to see, like, where all the doors were. But I think I've got it figured out mostly correctly, and I've put everybody basically in the spot, similar to the caverns, where as if they were on um, alert. So it's not like you've got each individual person back in their rooms. Instead, you've got everybody kind of grouped together, which would still, um, you know, if a fight breaks out, you know, on this level which is, I think, the main level they would appear at. Um, That would probably include these four up here, and then the Bandit. So that's, what, the Captain, the Wizard, and three Bandits, and then you've got... I forget if this is the bosun. Which one is this? Uh, The First Mate. Uh, The First Mate and another Bandit. That would be your initial fight, basically, and, you know, I have no idea how that's going to go. We'll see what the players do for deception and things. Um, And then I would delay... The other half of the crew, which would be four other bandits plus uh, this, should be the bosun. Yeah. Um, the two, or sorry, the three sawagans, which I replaced from uh, Lizard Folk, are also going to be really up in the air whether they're going to be involved in the fighting or not. Um, I haven't quite determined uh, how I'm going to use them. Or it, it mentions in the text that I think they won't be involved in the fight. Let's see what the learned folk are. Uh, let's see. When they become aware of the characters, they initially assume they are smugglers and treat them as such, demanding demanding in a combination of draconic and broken common to know when the weapons will be delivered to their kinfolk. I mean, their door is right there on the main thing, though. That's a part that confuses me is like wouldn't they be involved if a fight breaks out on the main deck which I imagine it would pretty quickly uh, you know are they still just hanging out in their room like right on their side of the wall it feels kind of weird. And the Swaggin, unlike the lizard folk, uh would not be uh friendly, which is the big twist here that you think the Lizard folk are like gearing up for battle, but they're not. They're actually well they are gearing up for battle, but they're trying to defend themselves against the evil Swaggin. Um Shit, that's something I could keep, I guess. I do have Sabra as a lizard folk, so I I could do some of the lizard folk angle, um, and I do plan on using them for finding out where the the final enemy thing is. But no, I want to keep the weapon smuggling to be the bad guys, the bad the villains, the Black Armada, Kraken Society. They're the ones that need the weapons because they're the ones that are attacking uh, Neverwinter imminently, and the Suwagin are part of that attack. And the big tease here is like, wait, why are like pirates working with Sawagin? Like, those are that is not an alliance. That typically happens. Swaggin usually don't ally with anybody. And that would tease the fact that there's some bad thing going on when all these evil factions and creatures are suddenly allying with each other. Um so yeah, maybe I'll just include the Swaggin as additional enemies uh, that come through. Maybe even the captain will like call, have somebody go and call for them. I think they're about as strong as Lizard Folk. They're not necessarily stronger. This is artwork from Call from the Deep, by the way. I'm just rolling with it because it's still pretty good. Yeah, they're still CR1 half, average of 22 hit points. And they do have the multi attack, but that would shift things quite a bit. But I could also delay them by a turn. So basically, they could come probably round two into the fight. And then uh, maybe round three would be like the ones down here coming up there, so you could, you could stagger that fight quite a bit. I made the seagulls actually haunted. Um, There's another chance for a haunted ship in this campaign, in fact, uh, and it's going to be, the players will witness that on the attack of Neverwinter, one of the attacking ships will be a ghost ship full of ghost pirates, and those are the ones, I believe, that are sent to assassinate the Aboleth, and they will run into them and have to battle them, which will be hopefully pretty cool. <laughs> Put numbers on all these guys, too. One, two, number three. We got, we'll have another week at least to prep for this whole Seaghost thing, though. I wonder if this one should be number one. That's the first one they're going to see. Let's make that one. So one, two, three. Because one thing you don't want to do with this system. Excuse my have of, of numbering NPCs is you don't want to have like the first NPC they see be number four because then you've automatically told them that there are three other NPCs somewhere of of that exact stat block. So I am leery of doing that. Try to make the most visible ones be the lowest numbers. <laughs> these guys will be five, six, seven, eight. Uh, There is also on this ship, which I haven't put on here yet, going to be a captured, probably triton instead of a sea elf. Um, Somebody was probably sent by Gillian or related to Gillian, just to make that a fun expanded universe connection. And that character, in addition to maybe some kind of written journal or something somewhere, will be able to give some information to the players. I'll probably need to make this not a secret door so the players actually do find it. Or just include it as a montage of as, like, you guys are exploring it. Because if you, if you trigger a big fight here, um, you know, chances are you're not going room-to-room room exploring it, really. You're not actually going to use a lot of the map. I, I say that not knowing, you know, maybe they'll be smart about it and have somebody stealth away and explore a part of the ship while they first do it. I don't know, but um, I could see us also just using this ship as, like, a single battlefield on, like, one level or something. And then I kind of have to montage the exploration of the ship. But obviously... The other thing is I could use this ship literally as their main, this map itself, as their main ship for when they're traveling the whole ocean if they, assuming they can keep the Seaghost, which is another reason why I wanted to keep, uh, you know, this as their main ship going forward. Maybe they'll have a chance to get, like, a flying ship or something somewhere down the lines, but um, this could be their at least for the whole part where they have to send the ship over to the island and then send the ship back to Neverwinter. Um, I'm, I'm assuming this is going to be the ship they're going to use, so I can use this same map, which will be pretty nice. What is the ship armed with? Could the smugglers use said armaments against the party? That is a good question. I don't think the sea ghost specifically has any fancy armaments that I know of. Let's see. It's got a jolly boat. Talks about the doors, stairways, enclosed areas, cargo hold. Village area and voltage from the hold side only. Yeah, it doesn't have, I don't think it really has any. It's mainly just a, and that's something that the players might be disappointed by. They don't have those kind of armaments, but Call from the Deep does include ways of upgrading your ship, which I think is pretty neat. Uh, Is that also in that same appendix? And that, it's a cool way of, uh, it's a money sink too, right? You could spend money to upgrade your ship. Does have certain rules for combat, which we'll get into. I do want to give the chance, uh, the players, a chance to uh, do some naval combat. It might not be until they return to Neverwinter, after they complete Gunderland. Um, but that would be a great opportunity because they will literally have to get through a blockade. They'll, they'll be coming across an invasion of a city from the water, so that would give them a chance to do some cool naval combat. I may even look at, like, Starfinders, like, spaceship rules or something. So I, I think there's there's got to be some good rules in there somewhere about people can, you know, be doing different tasks, and as long as somebody, you know, put them in initiative, and as long as somebody's rolling a skill check to do something, like, hey, if you're, you know, captaining the ship, then you can make a whatever check, and then if you're successful, then your ship has, you know, effectively takes the dodge action or something, everybody else has a disadvantage on you. Like, you know, give something... So that everybody has something they can do that's meaningful. Um, I don't know whether I need to like specifically run mechanics for that. Or just let the players kind of give me ideas and then I kind of roll with that. Uh, we can see from there. But uh, hopefully in Gunderland they'll have a chance to upgrade the ship. In fact, I'm not even sure what kind of ship this actually is now that I think about it. What is the Sea Ghost? Is there any guesses as to what this is? Like, what kind of ship is this? What, uh, let's see, the plan, the signaling system, boarding the seaghost. I guess I could use context clues and figure out by the size of the ship. It's a length of nearly 90 feet. And I don't know how many people it can hold. Uh, what's your best guess to how big, how, what kind of ship this is? passengers is it a caravel do we think it's a caravel caravel can hold 10 passengers that seems that seems about right i think speed per turn or no sorry crew is 15 passengers is 10 that's actually a lot Although sailing ship is also just kind of the generic thing, and that's got a 20 and 20. Holds 100 tons of cargo, AC of 15. It's worth 10,000 coins. Let's talk about how much the ship is worth. Oh, it does say they will pay for the return of the silk and brandy. <laughs> A sloop. I was just trying to look at this list here. This is the list from uh, Call from the Deep. Yeah, here we go. Most large ships can be outfitted with weaponry. The table below details the various weapons available and includes the statistics needed to attack with the weapon or damage it. Ballistas, cannons, mangonels, rams, scorpios, and side shears. And then you can also do fun little upgrades. You can upgrade its weapon slots. HP, AC, just cost money. Um, It seems like a kind of a fun little opportunity to upgrade the ship and uh, have a nice money sink. Although they're not going to have a ton of money when they first get to port in Gunderland. It was a COG. COG was one of the options here. That's only a four-person crew. 40 tons cargo, 10,000 gold. I have to do some Google searching what-the-fuck kind of ship. (laughs) I've never really heard of a COG. I've heard of caravel, Byreme, Galleon, Galley, Keelboat, Longship, Rowboat, sailing ship, Warship. Yeah, I don't know what a COG is. I played Assassin's Creed 4. <laughs> I know very little about ships. But I think that's a cool opportunity to put your mark on a ship and be able to do your own little uh, upgrades and systems. But I don't think the ghost comes equipped with anything as is. Um, you'd think it would have some kind of cannon somewhere, but if you look, it's just meant to hold, like, its entire main deck here, where you would have, like, cannons and things, is, uh, just barrels. It's just fucking goods, which I may need to replace this with weapon crates, then, instead of barrels, unless they're putting weapons in barrels, which is kind of weird. Um, and there's the Bolts of Silk, so I I may need to actually upgrade this map with, uh... Uh, the fact that it's they are they are smugglers, but they're smuggling in, um... I guess they don't care about the weapon. Once it, once the weapons reach the ship, they don't give a shit about smuggling anymore. They're just bringing the weapons to the bad guys. But they would be in a bunch of crates. Everybody's like, cannons! <laughs> Picked this book up a while ago because I love the old modules. From the early 80s. Yes, I think they are from the early 80s. Um... There are three of these included in the Ghosts of Saltmarsh 5e book. Um, I am going to use... I think it's it's this one. The second one is uh, Danger at Dunwater. And then the third one in the trilogy is the final enemy. I'm probably not going to use Danger at Dunwater much except for the fact that I will include the fact that Lizardfolk can point the location of the final enemy. And that... Well, maybe I can include that in Savra's um, story as well. Or character arc. Uh, and, and possibly use the, the, the Thousand Teeth kind of legendary crocodile encounter. Could be useful. Uh, I will use the final enemy, though, as the main layer for the swagon. So to stop the swagon threat, they will go to the final enemy. And that's just going to be a really fun um, swagon super dungeon layer. So I, I, I'd i like to use a lot of the content from Ghost of Saltmarsh. And I've talked about this uh, in previous crafting streams. Sprinkled throughout... Call from the Deep to where I might not even need to use a lot of the Chapter 3 stuff from Call from the Deep, which is designed to do all the kind of additional open world exploration stuff with additional content. But considering I'm going to be using a lot of the Ghost of Saltmarsh stuff instead, I may not need a lot of that. Cog is a type of ship that was used during the Middle Ages, mostly for trade and transport, also in war. Well, that's not very helpful. <laughs> it's a type of ship. All right. Uh, a type of ship of this approximate size, maybe. Yeah, we will. We will figure it out. It's something we need to kind of decide on with the ship. But we're not going to get to the ship next session. I know that. We'll we'll be cleaning up the caverns. Um, and we I don't know if we'll finish the caverns or not. I could I could see us going either way. In terms of we wrap up all the caverns tomorrow. Uh, in caverns. I kind of doubt it. But it may happen. Um, or more likely we will get through a good chunk of them tomorrow. And then next week we'll finish it. And then get all the way to starting the Sea Ghost. And hopefully I can do a really fun like stopping point where like they make it onto the sea ghost and then like the jig is about up. We're about to roll for initiative and then we can, you know, stop the session right there. That's always the goal is to have a cool, like, you know, pin drop moment for the end of the session. All right. I think that's going to do it for this Thursday edition of crafting the deep, if you know, the content, please check out patreoncom slash. Rogue, Watson, Shows to Platinum Patrons, Joe, Will, Thomas, Stan, Brandon, Genocider, David, Eclectic, Roleplay, Role, Christopher, Brian, Corey, Coa, 1337, Big Nut, John F, John L, Scott, Eric, Tyler, Nathan, Camp Crystal Light, Counselor, Andrew C, Daryl, The Reldron, Captain 79, Stephanie, Andy, B01135809, and Patrick, and Gold Patrons, RPG, Paper, Crafts, Pretty Boy, and Yuma, Desert Lounge, Sam, Lippies, Buds, Jerome, Nathan, Fast, Liga, Tortoise, Scott, Preppus, Karen, William, Jerry, Thomas, and Anna Prophet. Thank you all very much for support. Uh, I will see Patrons tonight for the DM Roundtable, and I will see all of you for D